Welcome, everyone, to Dinging Corners, a baseball podcast powered by Slab Stocks. I am Nate. We are here with Jimbo. What up, what up, everybody? And we are here with special guest down on the farm. And we are ready to talk baseball. So first off, let's introduce down on the farm. Welcome. How are you doing? I am doing good, guys. You know, it's opening day. Baseball's back. You really can't get any better than that. You have, you know, the Cubs are winning. Nope. Beating the Brewers. <laughs> I know. Nate's a fan of that. But, yeah, just baseball's back. We got minor league baseball starting up on Friday. Like, it's it's good to be back. It's good to be back with baseball. It, it, feels it like- really is. It's the – it's Jimbo and I talk about this all the time. It is the best – for my money, it's the best time of the year. That opening day, it doesn't matter who you are. You could be the Oakland A's. And on opening day, you think to yourself, if everything breaks right, we could maybe make the playoffs. I, Dude, you know, you always joke about that I'm like the most positive person. You're like, Jimbo's always too positive. There's no one that he doesn't like. I'm, I'm, But this time, I'm telling you, day one, I can't say that about the Tigers. They would have to be... They would, there would literally would have to be like every every single player on that on the team would have to get better by five times of what they actually are right now. So, look, I'm not I'm like, absolutely, but I don't want to be the Debbie Downer. I'm not saying it's likely. I'm just saying day one you have that hope. <laughs> not, I know it's the first time I've actually. It's the first opening day that I've never that I haven't had that. It's so weird. Last right. year I had it. So down on the farm, obviously a Cubs fan, which is much to my chagrin, but better than a Cardinals fan. I will never invite a Cardinals fan onto this podcast. That is true. Um, we can unite with that one. Yes. Uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So uh, we are united in friendship here with our distaste of the Cardinals, who last time I checked were up six to five as of starting this recording. Unfortunately, Jordan Walker Ripping some baseballs, also chucking some baseballs 100 miles per hour in the outfield. Not what you want to see. I was hoping he'd just kind of start out poor, but whatever. Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what got you, you know, what you do in baseball, what you got, how you got into it and everything like that. Well, I've always been a fan of baseball. And this goes back to when I was little, like being into cards, you know, I'd always be a big bowman guy so like and when i started getting older i started really looking into numbers and stuff and doing you know analytics into guys like who to buy and stuff and then that started to really translate i started really getting big into like fantasy sports so those two pair up very well which i don't think really no one really talks about a lot like sports cards are pretty much basically playing fantasy sports gambling on a team picking your guy stuff like that mm-hmm. but no like I, I'm a big baseball fan, and uh, you can catch me at Triple Play Fantasy. That's where I do most of my work. But just being an, uh, being able to find the next big thing prospect-wise is what I really love doing. So, like, I you will see me do the deepest of dives into leagues to find the next big star. Love that. I like that. And I admire that because back when Aaron and I started – and, you know, Jimbo was in baseball, so he doesn't count. We don't count him. He he gets to be right in the nitty-gritty access that some of us just can't have. Um, so we're jealous. We're jealous of Jimbo there. But for me, back when I started, that's what 
what I tried to do. It's like find somebody not on the top hundred, find somebody that isn't out of single A yet, find somebody that has some interesting characteristics that you think that team can mold into something substantial, right? And um, with the way Slab Stocks has grown, I have less time to do that. And it just, it, it makes me a little bit jealous of you because, uh, man, I would love, I would love to not, to just be able to just focus on that and dive right back into that again. It's the best. It is, it is really fun. I will say that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So yeah, you, can you name the company you work with again? Uh, triple play fantasy sports. Okay, triple A, triple play fantasy sports. If you guys want to check that out, if you're listening to this, you want to check that out. We will also try to put a link to that down below um, in the description of the podcast that you can click on later. Uh, so down on the farm, the reason we brought you on today, not only to uh, share in our mutual dislike of the Cardinals, but <laughs> is to also talk about the 2022 Bowman release and i know it's opening day yesterday and we will get into some of that talk later but for right now 2020 or 2023 did i say 2022 2023 bowman release it just got announced on tops.com this last week that there were pre-order pre-orders online um pretty much skipping the distributors maybe even skipping the card shops and going straight into the hands of the consumer um if you are a card shop, that sticks. That is unfortunate <laughs> because card shops, regardless of what you think of the card shop, not having it would be atrocious. Not having that area where you can go in with other collectors and just chat with them and rip cards. If we lose that, that would be terrible. Now, on the flip side, if we lose distributors where they're jacked up prices that go to card shops and then those prices go to the consumer or their jacked up prices go straight to the consumer. If we lose that, I'm perfectly, I am perfectly fine with that. And there was a limit on the amount of boxes you could get two boxes per household. Uh, so it wasn't like you could buy an entire case of Bowman through tops, uh, com. So there is, there still is a need for the card shop. Um, though I do, I do appreciate the direct-to-consumer if it cuts out the distributor. I don't appreciate it if it cuts out the card shop. But that is why we are talking about 2023 Bowman today. If you hadn't heard, it was pre-release, uh, pre-order um, on Tops.com. And so we brought on Down on the Farm, who is big into prospecting, like he said, so that he can help us break down this checklist. And he has a checklist of his top 25, I assume, Bowman Chrome first prospects. Uh yeah, these are all autos. So. All autos. All right, so Bowman Chrome first autos on the checklist. So, um, uh, without further ado, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of because it's your list. I'm gonna let you take it away, and uh, we can chat. Okay. Well, starting with the first player, he's gonna be the face of the product for who knows how many years down the line. But it's Drew Jones, outfielder for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, should have been the first overall pick. Orioles wanted to be stingy with money, so he fell to the Diamondbacks. But you're talking about a, a five-tool superstar outfield prospects with nothing but upside. Like, he's very good at controlling the zone. He has a good hit tool. He has a very advanced uh, approach at the plate for being a high school bat. 
which I would hope so, knowing your dad's Andrew Jones. Mm-hmm. But he has the potential to be a 20, 25 homer bat too. So you're looking at a contact, power, speed, gold glove caliber of player. Like you don't see these guys very often. He's so you're looking at his dad. Yeah. Pretty, you're looking at he could potentially even be better than his dad if That'd everything really clicks the correct way. Ooh. Imagine. Imagine yeah. birthing a child that could be better than you when you're a borderline Hall of Famer. Should be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. But yeah. Like, if we're talking upside, Drew Jones probably has the biggest on this mm-hmm. list besides, like, maybe one or two other names. Yeah. But he's he's going to be the chase of this product for sure. Question for you, Vinny. What's, who, what's three other players that were in products in the past that – Drew Jones like reminds you of? Ooh, uh, that's a good question. Um, it can be just one too, like one player. If we're talking uh, hype wise, I would say last year with Jackson Churio, he would be the closest right now. Um, ooh, uh, I'd say he probably will even get like Julio Rodriguez hype, knowing he's more hype than Julio was when 19 Bowman came out. But, like, yeah. those are the two comparable I can see. Like, he's going to be, even with the Arizona market, he's going to be a probably four or $500 base auto okay. going forward. Because he's already, if you look around top 100 list, he's a consensus top uh, 10, 15 prospect in baseball. And he, he hasn't even played, played a minor league game yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, thank you for mentioning my two biggest regrets in sports cards. Uh, I'm, I'm right there with you. <laughs> Julio and Jackson Churio. Julio, because he came out at 120 bucks, and I said to myself, there's no way I'm paying the, this amount for the same amount I just paid for Juan Soto like a year ago. So I'm not doing that. And then Jackson Churio didn't have autos when he came out. Bowman Chrome autos now, but Jackson Churio autos and 90 bucks for a blue. That's too expensive. Yeah. I'm going to wait for this to go down. It never went down. Yeah, I will say Julio Rodriguez did make me learn my lesson. Now I do, I do spend more money now when big name guys come out just to sit and hold and pray, pretty much. Yeah, mm-hmm. can't yeah. blame you there. Uh, well, I don't think Drew Jones needs too much talk. Is when you're the number two overall pick, everyone knows, right? So let's let's go on um, to your number two. Yeah, my number two is Spencer Jones of the New York Yankees. He was arguably the best college bat in last year's draft class. Uh, The Yankees promoted him very fast to low A. When he went there, it was not even a challenge for him. Uh, You're looking at a power. Right now he's power first, but I definitely think with development he'll have a plus hit tool too. But you're looking at a 6-6 corner outfielder with a market of the Yankees wearing that Yankees patch on his hat, that's going to absolutely thrive his prices upwards. But we're talking about an everyday outfielder plus power plus uh, hit. He's not going to be a burner. You're not looking at speed. You're not looking at defense. You're looking strictly offensive profile with this guy. Um, if I was to compare him to a similar, a similar player in a similar product i would go back to kind of with uh i can't think of it uh i can't think of the product but uh kind of like if you remember 
Oh man, this is drawing me a blank. I gotta check this real quick. Classic. <laughs> this is uh, this is yeah. the same problem I run into, quite literally, all the time. Yeah, there's so what? many, so many names that run through my head right now that are. One one thing that I like that you brought up, and I was actually thinking this earlier today when uh, when Volpe, Volpe, whatever, however we pronounce his name, um, with the you know with with the Yankees being logo on the hat is there comes a lot of hype with that. You know, just like as opening day. You know, you see all the posts, they see like I'm getting the alerts, the notifications, Volpe did this, Volpe stole a base. And that all comes with the New York Yankee brand. And that's why, like today, I was just like, that's why there's a premium when when you're prospecting these kids. Yeah. Today was kind of like a reminder of that. Yeah. But I did find the name. So I would compare him similar hype to when JJ Blade came out in 2019 draft. A, you know, big school big college best bat in the college class. So, and plus, you know, with the Yankee special, his prices are going to be obscene. It's going to be either uh, close to Drew Jones, but it'll, it'll be a toss up to see when release does uh, release day does come. But if we're talking upside, those two, it wouldn't surprise me if Spencer Jones this year is ends the year borderline uh, in triple a, like he's that advanced of a bat. Wow. Um, it is interesting to me, you know, you bring up, well, JJ Bleday, just kind of a funny name to bring up now since he got yeah. traded for AJ Puck, right? Um, but uh, it's interesting to me when we talk about, you know, best college bat, because I, I think about that term a lot because I think about guys that were like previous best college bat and I look at their careers, kind of a lot of disappointments. Yeah. Amongst that list. Um, you know, Andrew Benatendi, great. One of the best college bats, supposed to be amazing, is good. Not spectacular. You know, Torkelson last year, best college bat. It comes out. Uh, Joey Bart, guys like that. And maybe not, maybe some of these guys aren't the best college bat, but it is, it is always interesting to me where it's like, you know, these, these guys and even high school. I mean, I go back to like Corey Ray back on the Brewers. Yeah. I don't know if he was considered the best college bat at the time. Um, between him, Kyle Lewis, and those guys, but it's like it's just such a different game between the uh, just even the college level and even high A, you know, yeah, double like, A. You can even go farther back and say like Dansby Swanson back in fifteen too. Plus, we've seen a similar trend with Vanderbilt guys not living up to their you know Austin their hype. Martin. Austin Martin, hopefully not Spencer Jones, but like there's a long list of disappointments from the best college bat in the class. But also I don't think we've seen a college bat come out and have the success that Spencer Jones has had. That's fair. And, and I'm not, I'm not bringing that up to try to refute you. It's just an interesting uh, thing. I, I run across across where it's like, I always, you know, it's like, Oh, we got the best college bat. Uh, Trevor Larnish. Yeah. He was like one of the best college bats, right. In his draft class. What's Trevor Larnish doing nowadays? Platooning for the Minnesota Twins. Yeah. And so it's just funny. Now, that isn't to say that Spencer Jones can't break that mold. Um, Just like we talk about with, you know, people have asked me about Corbin Carroll. And my response is hard to to beat. You know, it's hard to beat the hype right now. So if you want to sell, you probably aren't going to be sad about it. Um, And it's the Diamondbacks. But it only takes one. 
Corbin Carroll could be the first pin to drop in the changing of the view of the organ or the Diamondbacks organization, just like Wander Franco was with the Rays. Where Wander Franco, before he came around, the Rays were kind of like, eh, I don't really care. They're the Rays. Why would I buy them? Nobody watches them. Nobody cares about them. Wander comes around, and all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, I gotta get this prospect, this prospect, this prospect because it's the Tampa Bay Rays, and they know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. and it's funny you bring that up too because. It might start with Corbin Carroll, but there's a line of guys right behind him that could easily uh-huh. have more hype than him. If we're talking Lawler, we're talking Drew Jones. Mm-hmm. Now they have a top six pick again this year. Like yeah. the organization in a whole is looking up towards the ceiling. Yeah, I have high hopes for Alec Thomas this year. Just as an aside, I do hope he. I mean, he had put up really good numbers, not spectacular numbers, but really good numbers every single year in the minors, and then struggled last year. So I hope he does figure it out and just becomes a nice, a nice piece for them. Um, all right. Well, should we move on to number three? Yeah, this is the one I'm most excited about. So I, I'm excited to hear this, hear about this guy. Yeah. So number three, I have uh, Reds first round pick Cam Collier. He, if we're talking about absolutely just having a phenomenal, like. Yes. Phenomenal year going into a draft to raise your stock. I don't think we've seen one close to this since Bryce Harper, maybe. You know, he was 17 playing at a junior college and absolutely destroying junior college hitting. And if we're, if we're going to tool him out with the Cincinnati Reds organization who already has a couple monsters in it, if we're talking Ellie De La Cruz, you know, Novali Marte, Edwin Arroyo, Cam Collier could easily be just as good or even better than them. You're looking at a plus hit tool. We were still waiting. It's still very early to see if he does develop, you know, above or even plus power. I'd right now I'd say he has average power. He's not a burner. He'll probably stick at a corner either. He'll probably stay at third, but it wouldn't be shocked if they move him to a corner outfield or first base. The arm is spectacular. Like he's arguably had one of the best arms in this class. So let's not waste him at first base, Reds. Yeah. You can't trust exactly. the Reds, though. They'll do some stupid things. The, tr- the Reds are a just 50-50 shot on everything. They just love they really to are. do wrong things. But so, like, the thing that's interesting with the Reds, though, like, this kid to me is, like, I feel like he's got the the talent to be, like, that that rare superstar. Like, you know, you have the other players that, like, oh, they're going to be good. They're going to be this or that. But there's very few where it's like, well, this kid, if everything clicks, could be superstar level. And I'm I'm excited about this, too, because the Reds are building, I feel like, the farm system where they're going to have protection in the lineup in all of their, their minor leagues, which is only going to help a young kid like this even more develop down, down in the farm. Oh, yeah. you see what I did there? Down yeah, the farm. I, did. <laughs> I will say this. Uh, going into this draft, he reminded me reminded me a lot of Jordan Walker. Yes, yeah. All, he fell. He should not have fallen to eighteen to Cincinnati at all. I don't know what was scaring teams away, but if we're talking about projectable body, projectable tools all across the board, Cam Collier could potentially, you know, rival Drew Jones for yes. and and Jackson Holiday for best prospect in this draft class, and potentially in baseball, like. Right now he's sitting anywhere from like top 30 to top 50. But I, if he comes out and is really hot this season, I would not be surprised if he cracks the top 15. 
Yeah, like this he, kid is that much could, upside with him. He could easily pull a Jackson Churio. Yeah, if he gets hot, I I guarantee you that the Reds will start pushing him. He'll probably start this year in low A Daytona, and probably end the year in high A Dayton. But I, it would not it would not shock me if they got aggressive and late season if he's on fire if he's in Double A Chattanooga. And then and then you know what happens from there. Triple A next year as a twenty year old and traded by twenty three. <laughs> Trade? No. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm, I feel har- like, I'm harassing the Reds. <laughs> I feel like yeah. If they were to move anyone, it's probably Marte. Collier's like a different level of talent. Well, I just if if okay. To be fair, they kept they kept Joey Votto all these years, but recently it's just been it's felt like. Nah, nah. Yeah. I'm not going to pay him. Not going to pay him. Not going to pay him. Move him out the door. Yeah. All right. Um, Cam Collier, I think I might have to, uh, I might have to uh, check out some of those prices. Not right away because I'm forcing you, Nate. This is one that you, you're not going to miss. I am making you buy at least one something of him. So then we can be in it together. I like it. Yeah, I'll make a little prediction. I say Cam Collier, even in the offseason, his prices won't be much different from release. Yeah. If we're talking, if you project, like, if we're talking upside, like, he's right there with Drew Johns. I feel like his prices are going to be crazy just because if you look, you know, they already have Ellie De La Cruz. People love Ellie De La Cruz, and they're going to they're gonna try and compare the prices. Yeah. And That's I true. feel like a kid like that, like, when people buy him, they're holding them. Like, they're not flipping yeah. them that early. And a kid like that, every like people are grading every single card of this kid, so they're just going to sit also at grading where it eliminates like the, the, uh, the supply. What was that? The supply of that was a that was a cross fingers on the grading because you never know. Every new Bowman release is a whole nother set of. Is it going to be good? Is there going to be a million scratches on the surface? Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Um, hey, if you uh, real quick, real quick, shameless plug. If you want your cards graded for the cheapest you can get them graded from SGC, the quickest you can get them graded, check out slabstocks.com slash grading right now. $18 a card. Um, and you can get your 2023 Bowman baseball cards graded. 18 bucks a card. You should be able to get them back. Send them to us and back to you within two, two and a half weeks and out the door on eBay or PWCC or ComC or anything like that that you might want. So if you want to check that out, slabstacks.com slash great. All right, let's move on to number four. Yeah, number four is a very, very interesting name. He's starting to gain a lot of hype in the uh, fantasy sports realm, but it is uh, Mariners prospect Gabriel Gonzalez. When you coming when you into start... this year, he was getting comps of Julio Rodriguez Jr., but I don't think it's that type of talent yet. I think there's still a lot of polish to it, but I do kind I do see the upside that they're talking about him. We are looking at uh, right now he's probably a plus hit, maybe borderline plus power. Uh, he had a little stint in low A last year. He'll probably start this year again in low A, but. He's been successful so far every single step of the way. DSL, he killed. Rookie ball, he killed. 
he did very good in his short stint in Modesto. If we're talking, you know, if we're talking height with a team, this is really going to drive his prices just because of people giving him the comp of little Julio. But he's one of those guys that it wouldn't surprise me if, uh, if he ends up being like one of those guys that like dies off in the off season, just due to like lack of, you know, lack of buzz. Cause usually uh, stats from the, uh, the California leagues usually a little inflated due to you know, warm weather, batted ball data, stuff like that. People will catch on to that, but he's definitely a very interesting name to watch just in case if he does blow up this year. If he goes on a, a tear, I wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if he's a top 50 prospect by the end of the year. I know there's some people that already have him in the top 100. I am one of those people. So I do kind of see the upside they're talking about with him. Um. It's interesting to me, just real quick aside on the Mariners, you know, back in the day, they were kind of a laughing stock. Um, when the, back in the Jack Zeringer days, when it was all star, all star, some random catcher they draft, all star, all star, all star, all star, all star, De- Dustin Ack- Ackersley or Dustin Ackley, Ackley. Uh, all star, all star, all star, and they did it draft after draft after draft where somehow some way they managed to draft the only guy that wasn't an all-star now obviously we all know (laughs) that that also comes down to development of prospects inside that organization Mm -hmm. if you are the mariners and you draft ryan braun maybe he doesn't become the ryan braun we know or andrew mccutcheon in that same draft right um but to see you know to fast forward say 12 years or whatever it's been now uh, to kind of see that switch where you have the Cole Youngs, you have the Noel V. Martes, even though he's been traded. Um, you have the Julio Rodriguez's, you have the Harry Fords, you have the big dumpers, uh, uh, Cal Raleigh and stuff like that. And it's just like they're flipping a switch where they're forcing you to respect their position player prospects. Yeah, they've become very good, if not the best team, at finding and developing international talent, too. Like, if a little preview for this list, there's two other Mariners on this list that I think could potentially have, you know, worked their way into the green, one of the best players in this you know, this product. Plus, you have guys like uh, Felnin Celestine, who they just signed this year. You have uh, Jonathan Class A, who I think is absolutely underrated. No Bowmanados, though, on Class A, right? No, he has Bowmanados. He has Bowmanados? Yes. Who am I thinking of? Um. Oh, wait, no. It's the kid they traded to the Reds. He doesn't yeah, have Edwin Bowmanados, uh, Arroyo. Right? Okay. He Arroyo. does on this list. Yeah. But, like, yeah. Just the Mariners organization in general now are becoming a nice stockpile of talent. That It, it's, it doesn't hurt to take a few shots at some of their prospects because usually the return on them is very, very good. Cool, cool. Um, let's move on to number five. Is this real quick? Is this um? Wait, no, no, never mind. Not gonna ask that because I know the answer. All right, number five is Alex Ramirez of the New York Mets. Let's go. If we're talking about uh, borderline, like he he was close. I I caved and put him in the green. Uh, you're talking about an everyday outfielder for the uh, for the Mets going forward. Uh, he's big power, big speed, big arm, good defensively. My only really knock on him is I have some concerns with the hit tool. He tends to be very aggressive, 
but he's also a you know a teen playing above the age level of where he should be playing. So I guess it's you can look at it however you want, but just I see some some red flags when it comes to him, like his batted ball data, his uh, his whiff rate, his ISO, his BABIP. Like there's a couple red flags, but if he gets that. You know, if the Mets really put time in developing him and helping him with his approach and helping him with his, you know, his swing and his bat path and everything, he's one of those guys, you know, easily could be a top, you know, 25 prospect in baseball. And, you know, especially with the New York market and, you know, a powerful outfielder, you know, we've Mm -hmm. seen it before. We've seen it not work before, which I will say one of the comps I do give Alex Ramirez is Estevan Floreal. But now real quick, real quick on the, on the, you know, there's obviously working for baseball related reasons, right? Like on-field production and there's working for the card market. And I would argue that Estevan Floreal worked for the card market for a while before failing. Mm-hmm. So it's the, the weird thing about the card market in baseball is that they're not they're You know, they're not the same thing. Yeah. Um, and those of us that started with baseball and learned the card market, like you learn that pretty quick. It's like, you can't look at prospects. You like, I would love to have like Bryce Durant Brewers now second baseman. I like the kid. I like to have that type of guy on my team. Right. I don't want to collect his cards <laughs> in the, in the slightest. Nope. Um, and so the same thing with here, where like, are there red flags in Alex Ramirez's, uh profile sure will they rear their head where he doesn't put up good production in and you can answer this better than me will they rear his rear their head where he won't put up good production in say if he repeats high a this year or in double a i will say this year will be this year we will see how bad the hit my red flags or anyone's red flags with this hit tool is because i believe he will probably start this year at double a Okay. So, and that's that's the hardest jump in minor league baseball is from high to double A. So, if there's any problems, that's where you start to see them. Like I said, they could easily fix them. You know, if if he comes out and struggles the first half of the year in double A, you know, don't get too crazy down on him because it would not surprise me if they, you know, they work with him and he's better by the end. But yeah, it's just. It's a toss-up. The hit tool concerns me, but everything else I love about him, you know, plus speed, plus power, plus defender. I like it. And of I course, if I had a if I had a dollar for every single plus uh, power, plus speed, plus fielding guy I fell in love with that ended up doing nothing at all in the majors, I'd have. I'd probably be a millionaire by now. <laughs> but uh, let's uh, let's get the last guy of your. And the guy I'm most excited to hear about, the last guy of your top tier here. Yes. Okay. So my last top tier player is Josue De La Paula of the Los Angeles Dodgers. You probably, the name probably doesn't ring a bell right now because he still has yet to play stateside. Like he had, he, this is his first year in. America playing baseball. He spent last year all in the Dominican Summer League, absolutely destroyed it. Uh, 
if we're to describe uh, De La Paula, I've had a few people with a few different organizations give me comps anywhere from Jordan Alvarez, O'Neill Cruz, and uh, I can't think of the last one now, but they everyone is in love with this kid. You're looking at uh, double plus power, you know, double plus hit tool, and you know, the body is still growing too. He's currently seven at 17, he's 6'3, 185. I don't know what his weight was this year coming in to spring training. He could already be, you know, 6'4, 210. Yeah, like we don't fully know. Uh, he's and, and we never really, we no, never really we, do know. Yeah, they the X, the legitimacy with height and weight is very oh, shocking. Do they they put whatever they want? I've seen that yeah. the I've seen the sheets. They will literally put whatever they want on it. Yeah, <laughs> like when I used to go and see the Diamondback single A near me, you know, it says on the baseball card that Alec Thomas is five ten. I'm five nine. He was shorter than me, so. <laughs> I knew I liked him. Yeah. So yeah, that's why. It's because yeah. they do their height in cleats. Yep. <laughs> Gets like a three inch spike. Yeah. Yep. But no, with De La Paula, it's very interesting because he has so much hype without yet playing stateside. This year, he'll probably start the year in uh, the Arizona Complex League. Yeah. But I would not be surprised if they moved him very quickly to low A Rancho. But if we're talking about the uttermost upside in the product, I think he easily could be yeah. better than Drew Jones if he hits his ceiling. If we're talking about guys in this product. I mean, if we're talking Jordan Alvarez comp. Yeah, yeah. we're talking Dude, yeah, Jordan. Yeah, this uh, everyone that I have talked to in this industry and with teams just are absolutely enamored by him. And he really wasn't a big name in the international market when he came out last year. Why is it always the Dodgers? The Dodgers. I mean, even Jordan was a Dodger. Yeah. Just yeah, it's always O'Neill Cruz. Yeah. O'Neill Cruz yeah, was also on the Dodgers too. They just have their type of player, which is big, you know, big left-handed hitter with a plus hit tool. And they just develop them very good. Like uh, another guy that I like in the organization that's not in this checklist is Samuel Munoz. Like we're looking at a big left-handed bat with a plus hit tool, probably going to stay corner either third or first, maybe shifts over to the outfield, but they just have like their niche of player. And then they develop them absolutely, you know, perfect. They don't usually hold on to them, but they usually do a good job I while mean, they do. Who needs who needs to hold on to it if you can just keep developing the same guy over and over and then trading him for okay, the the uh Jordan for what is it, Josh Fields or something? Yeah. That's one that they're definitely gonna regret for until the end of time. But most of the time I don't think the Dodgers are gonna regret flipping these guys for guys that help them that year to, to win a championship type of thing or yeah. get close. Yeah. And just to put this in perspective, like he is yet, I state again, he is yet to play a game stateside. And there's already people that have him in like inside the top 80 of top 100 prospect lists. Yeah, so I, if I, he does, he's a lot of people's pick to be this year's Jackson Churio just because how advanced the bat is for a 17 year old. But like the, the upside with him is stupid crazy. And I expect the prices to be yeah. astronomical um, just on Twitter even the fan graphs picks to click section, you know, I've seen his name all over the place in the last like two to three months. Um, 
And usually when I see that, that's a sure sign that other people are seeing it. And that is a guy that's going to, that would have before Twitter or before Twitter got really popular with prospecting. That's the type of guy that would have been, you know, $30, $40 auto. And now you're talking $200. Yeah. I'm going to toot my own horn here, but like my first prospect breakout video with the triple play fantasy sports company, what my two first uh, big name guys were, uh, Jose De La, Josue De La Paula, and then another guy on this list, Nelson Rada. So I've been on this, I've been on the De Paula train for a while now. So I'm I'm loving the return on investment already. I like it. Doesn't it stink? And Jimbo, you you uh, probably feel my pain with this uh, a time or two since you buy so many prospects. Um, doesn't it stink when you're high on a guy and he doesn't have a card? Dude, it drives me up a wall. I I usually have a list going. And this kid and Cam Collier are literally in my top two. And I didn't see this list until we jumped on this live. And I'm like, let's go. They're, you know, they're going to be in this product. But then I realize, man, everyone already knows them and they're going to be so expensive. But that's the game. Prospecting is getting more fun, dude. It's getting deeper and deeper every year, which is great for the hobby. Yep. Yeah. All right. Um, any last words on De, De La Paula? No, I think we, we had everything perfect. All right. Uh, let's move on. Now, we have gone 37 minutes, and I don't wish to, like, take up your guys' entire night. So maybe we'll run through these other sections really quick um, or a little bit quicker. Maybe I'll ask less questions. Uh, I, uh, I'm a talker after all, and so is Jimbo. Um, so let's run through the yellow yellow section. I'm not even, even going to stop you until the end. If you just want to boom, 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 boom. Yeah, we'll probably stop you at Edouard Julian because he did play in the World Baseball Classic and he was the best hitter in that. They're like had the highest OPS in the entire thing. Yeah, so running down top from bottom in my yellow, I have Lazaro Montas. He's a six seven outfielder. Came in the spring training uh, at two hundred and forty pounds. Uh, easily the best power in this whole entire checklist. You're talking sixty five power. Hit tool, big K's, big concerns there. We're talking like maybe even a below average hit tool. Like the the tools are so different, I can't even come up with a comp for him. Like I could say a left-handed big Miguel Sano, but yeah. if but like if the hit tool does come around and they develop it, like you're talking about another high upside guy. Um, Matt Mervis with the Chicago Cubs. He was the biggest breakout last year in minor league baseball. Big home run guy, jumped three levels. Should be their everyday first baseman, but, you know, the Cubs love blocking their prospects. But if we're talking about marketable-wise, you got Chicago, a big big left-handed power hitter in Wrigley who's probably going to hit 25, 30 home runs at the major league level. And Um, uh, real quick, I know I told you I wasn't going to stop you, but not only Wrigley, (laughs) but also Great American Ballpark. Yeah. Also Miller Park. That's an extra, what, 34 games a year where you, you get, or 18 games a year? I think so. 17 games. Per opponent, generally. Yeah. Okay, so like nine or eight. So we're gonna we're gonna go with seventeen games. Yeah. Um, an extra seventeen games a year in tiny ballparks. Yeah, and I cannot wait to see him play at Coors Field. That is going to be absolutely electric. Um, but to continue, I have Justin uh, Justin Crawford. He is uh, Carl Crawford's son. Uh, you're looking at a plus hit tool, plus speed, plus defender, Gold Glove caliber of player. Uh, my only concern with him is if he even has average power, he could be potentially you know, uh, an outfielder, Xavier Edwards, which kind of scares me. But like I said, if he 
you know, taps into some power, we could potentially see, you know, a better version of Alec Thomas. That's the kind of comp that I've come up with him. Um, Jacob Barry, he was uh, college bat last year's class by the Marlins, first baseman, third baseman. He's a stick out of corner. He lacks defensive uh, capability, but you're looking at a plus power um, average bat, you know, plus uh, I'd say he's, he has an advanced approach at the plate. You can tell he's a college guy. He plays like a college guy kind of reminds me a little bit of Alex Bregman, but I think he's going to have not as good as a hit tool as Alex Bregman. Um, After him, I have Edward Julian, which also similar to Matt Mervis was a big blow up last year. He had a very good, um, very good minor league season and then continued it into the Arizona fall league where he was hitting for both power and average as a second baseman, which you really don't see that often. Um, to even throw fire or throw gasoline onto the fire. It's rumored that he is the reason why they treated uh, a rise to the Marlins to make room for Julian. But like I said, you're going to have an everyday second baseman playing with the Mar- uh, the Mariners and plus hit potentially plus power. You're not going to find that very often at the second baseman position. Kyle Harrison, I would have higher on this list. I would have him in the green if he wasn't, if the pitching market wasn't so bad for cards. You're talking about a potential starter, uh, starting pitching one, starter pitcher two, potentially has ace upside. We're talking three plus pitches on top of, you know, plus control with the Giants who are absolutely amazing at developing pitching. You can look at, you know, Logan Webb. Like you even go back like Tim Lincecum, you know, Matt Cain, guys like that. I He's one of my favorite pitching prospects in baseball. Just the amount of upside we have seen from him, and I think there's still untapped potential with him. And then to round off the uh, yellow second tier, I have Junior Camarano. Camarano, he's uh, another another plus hit tool, plus power guy from the Rays. He's probably an average defender, probably going to stick at third base. They're really stockpiling those infield international prospects, but you know, as long as they keep on hitting, they can throw them wherever they want. Um, you know, similar to uh, similar to kind of like a Vidal Bruhan type of hype. You know, he started off a little slow, and then his name started to trickle up as you know years went by. I could easily see that happening with Comanero. He's you know uh, borderline a top ten prospect in their organization right now, and you know knocking on the top one hundred. Okay, um, a couple a couple questions for you, and and Jimbo, if you have any questions as well, I have one question that just right off the bat, uh, philosophical question for you. I know you put Matt Mervis in this section and similarly like Kyle Harrison, you dropped into this section because he is a pitcher and you know how their market goes. Um, for me, I almost wonder if we are considering, if we're considering Kyle Harris for this section, maybe should we consider Matt Mervis for the section below? I know you said Cubs first baseman getting to smash in small ballparks, but since we're talking about a 25 year old first baseman, both older, um, prospect wise, and also uh, uh, first base only wise, do you do you have any? Would you give any consideration to that? Or are you like, ah, I just think he's going to mash, and I think he's going to mash, uh, and the you know Cubs fans are loyal and they're going to want to collect him. It won't matter. I'd give a consideration just because you know he's you know an older guy. Like I said, if you know people would not be so scared to buy pitching easily, Kyle Harrison's up, you know, probably number four, number five. 
Uh, Mervis, I just think that the Cubs market and the hype that the Cubs bring with prospects and anything Bowman, I think is going to thrive his prices. And when he does get called up this year, I think it's just going to keep on adding fuel to the fire with his prices. And I suppose it does help uh, that he, this is his first card as a 25 year old. It's not, he had a card as a 18, 19, 20, 21 year old. And now you're buying him as a 25 year old getting called up to the majors. It's, this is your first chance, yeah. uh, which should be a, which should be a boost. Um, uh, real quick. I've seen some things about Jacob Barry. Um, I, I find the Alex Bregman comp a little bit, you know, like, oh, okay. I just, as a, as a general aside, um, and junior Caminero, uh, and Julian, I already mentioned world baseball classic. I'm just kind of curious in Julian, because he performed well in the world baseball classic, like you get on a big stage like that, especially if you're a minor leaguer and you don't, it doesn't phase you. I feel like nothing should phase you. I know the the pitching in the World Baseball Classic wasn't a premium, right? But it's still a big stage, and if that doesn't phase you, I'm I am excited for your future. But moving on to Caminero, um, do you worry? You know, you you brought it up a ton. The Rays have a ton of prospects, whether it be international or otherwise, um, filling up their infields all the all across their minor league system, um. Do you worry that, you know, eventually it's going to get to the point where, like, some of these guys are just going to be blocked, forgotten about, moving off their position early because they don't get a chance? Like, what happens if this guy value in a third baseman and all of a sudden he has to move to a first base just to get at-bats or a DH in a minor league game just to get at-bats? Do you worry about that at all? Uh, with Caminero, I'm going to say no, but like other prospects like uh, Osilvis Basabe and, you know, a few of the other guys like Willie Vasquez and stuff, that, that concerns me very much. But Caminero uh, is interesting because I think he's defensively solid enough and his arm is decent enough that he could easily transition to a corner outfield spot. You know, the one thing that organization lacks is, you know, outfield prospects and especially just competent ones. Like the only one really in the organization is, you know, Mason Auer and borderline Huberto Hernandez. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him shift this year over to the outfield. You know, if the uh, Rays are very, very prominent and, you know, uh, they really care about his future with them. I definitely see them making him go to the outfield. Okay. All right. And, and just, just curious. It just says uh, like, uh, you know, cause a lot of things that run through my mind when collecting, it's like, um, and this, maybe a little bit more prominent in like a basketball collector. Like you like this guy uh, years ago, Jimbo, do you remember that guy's name that was on the warriors? That was a second round pick. Really exciting. Yeah, Eric Pascal. Eric Pascal. People are like, Oh, Eric Pascal. So good. Well, guess what? There was no Steph Curry. There was no clay Thompson. You know, those guys weren't healthy. They weren't getting shots. And Pascal was doing everything because he was the only interesting guy there. What what did anybody think was going to happen when those guys came back? Aris Pascal was just going to keep getting the amount of usage he was still getting? No, that was never going to happen, but people didn't want to pay attention to that. They just wanted to pay attention to the sheer numbers. And so for me, I tried to take that thought process and then bring it over to baseball. I know it's a little different because you have the whole minor league system. There isn't just five guys on a court. Uh, usage rate in basketball is much different than, you know, you get your four at-bats a game, right? Um, but it's still like a thought process of mine where I'm like, all right, this 
this place is loaded up with whether it be shortstops or whether it be center fielders. All right. They're likely not going to displace so-and-so prospect. Like, he's their baseman. Is he going to displace Curtis Mead when he gets called up? No, Probably exactly. not, you know? So then it's like, all right, corner outfield, that works. But if you have somebody there, it's like, ah, was he going to replace them? And then you start moving down the spectrum, and then I'm like, okay, I don't want to invest in them because I don't see a future for them at a position where it's valuable to play. And so that's me explaining my thought process there and why I asked the question. Yeah. You know, you know how sometimes you you say that you're like, oh, like there's this player, and then you always say that you talk yourself out of it. Yep. I think that's a category where you might talk yourself out of some prospects if you go that deep on like uh like now if you have like a like a Nolan Arenado, like Jordan Walker, if you did that with Jordan Walker, if you're good enough, they will find you a spot. That's true. That 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 is very true. And you you could say, and I get I get that guys just move down the defensive spectrum. For me, for me, I, I do believe in large part that the defensive spectrum home carries a large value of your of your prospecting value, right? So if you are a shortstop and you're not going to get to play shortstop and you're definitely going to be slid over to second base, that's like a, ugh. Like yeah, this guy is a competent bat for a shortstop. Maybe not anymore now that shortstop bats are getting better and better. Um, but if he's a competent bat for shortstop and then he has to slide over to second, it still might be a competent bat for second base, but people just don't care as much. Ozzy Elby's a stud. People don't yeah. care. Exactly. I like that that comp you said, Ozzy. So, um, all right. Let's move on. Let, let's see. Let's check the time here. Ooh, 49 minutes. All right. Let's take, uh, let's take just like three seconds. minutes. You don't have to say every player here. Just name like your top, like. I'll give you my top two here. My top two are uh, Nelson Rada of the Los Angeles Angels, uh, 17-year-old left-handed batter. Uh, he's an outfield prospect, probably will stay in center field, very good defensively. Uh, there's still a lot of projection in the body. He projects out to have plus hit, plus you know, plus power, plus speed. Absolutely destroyed uh, the, Arizona, or the uh, Dominican Summer League this year. Uh, good ISO, good BABIP. Uh, very good uh, bat path. There's you know, some comps I have heard people are starting to give him like a Juan Soto comp, which I think is kind of generic and kind of, you know, eh, you know, Lazy. take it with a grain of salt. But like he's very smooth, nice, beautiful left handed swing does, you know, drive the ball to all fields, you know, good batted ball data. There's uh, there's a lot to like about him. He's a very interesting name. He could easily blow up this year, probably spend this year in the complex league. And then the other interesting one that I really like is Roman Anthony of the Boston Red Sox. Uh, he was a, a second-round pick last year in the draft class. You know, projects out to have plus power. I still think there's a lot of upside in the bat, the contact. Uh, probably an average contact right now. He struggled in, like, eight games at low A last year. They gave him the push after absolutely destroying the Florida Complex League. He's He has the potential to be a five-tool outfielder if all clicks. And you put that um, – you put that kind of a stature type of uh, mold with a Boston market. I think he could e absolutely explode in this product. You know, he has a, you know, a semi cool name with Roman and you're going to put him in uh, a Bowman product, especially, you know, an outfielder too. Like there's, he's, yeah, you look, at, you look at guys like blaze Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. Like easily he could, be a top 100 prospect by the end of this year 
I already have him in the side, the top 10 for the Red Sox easily could jump up to top five. Like he's one of the guys that I will be taking a shot at in this product for sure, because the sky is limit with him too, especially if they develop out that bat tool, he's a good approach. You know, he's good at reading pitches. It's, it's looking up for him. Just don't get, don't get blinded by the stats he put up in the nine games in low A last year. Yeah. And, and I do think a lot of people, not only low A, take it with a grain of salt, but small sample size, always take it with a grain of salt. So if you're listening to this, always make sure you check the games played. Yeah. Because yes. you can just look at a stat line and say, dude, this guy hit 230 with a 287 on base and a 330 slugging. This dude stinks. Why are we talking about him? Oh, he only played nine games in his first taste of stateside baseball. Yeah. Um, just I had a I had a thought on this. Oh, uh, at what point do you think, like, price wise? Because you're like I'm going to take a shot on him, and um, you know, there's a certain point where price, you know, if it's cheap enough, it's like yeah, you take a shot because all he has to do is have a solid three week stretch and a ball, and it's it's easy. Do you think you have a price in mind where you're like, yeah, I'm going to buy him or no, I'm not? Yeah, I'm probably – well, it's, it, this is going to be interesting because this is going to come out after the first month of minor league baseball. So he could have, you know, absolutely crazy stats, uh, you know, after like the first month or so. But I would look in to get around, uh, you know, get in at him probably $40, $50 a base auto maybe. You know, I okay. would spend a premium probably to get, you know – a solid color or Question. even. Oh, sorry. Not, not no, you're, you're good. You're good. But one thing that I love doing that, that Nate and I, we do this a lot just to put it in perspective. Would you rather have a Roman Anthony base auto or a Jason Cheerio? And he's the only one I bring up because it's the, it's kind of like our, like our meter. Cause he's like 30, $35. That's interesting because I kind of like the Boston market better than I like the Cleveland guardians market. <laughs> Plus, we have seen we've seen Roman Anthony stateside play, you know, in the uh, Florida co- uh, Complex lead and in minor in uh, low A. We've yet to see that from Churio. He's probably going to spend this year in the Arizona Complex League. So I would lean Roman Anthony. Cool. And and the reason the reason we like to bring this up is because, like normally, I would never lean Jason Churio on anything because I don't like buying guys. I don't like buying cards of guys that have only played in the Dominican summer league just to watch them fail in the, uh, and spend 30, $35 on a card and watch them fail in a ball. And those cards I could then get for 12 bucks. Right. Um, but I am interested on um, what the, what amount he will be lifted up because he's brothers uh, with Jackson. And I think it's going to be a pretty substantial amount. I think it's already worth a substantial yeah. amount. Um, but I do, I do think that because, as Jackson goes, I think Jason will also go just because they're brothers and that close in age and he's young and upside. Yeah. I say this about Roman Anthony. And then, you know, if you guys watch the lives and stuff, I'm the big buyer of Anthony Gutierrez. So it doesn't always matter, you know, if they have stateside play, like if the, if the, the data is good enough and there's, you know, it shows potential. Don't be scared to jump in. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I love that you said that because, you know, like collecting cards, especially prospecting, I feel like there's so many different ways to go about it. And there's no one size fits all, like one size fits all like category on, oh, should I buy this player or not? Like 
at the end of the day, like you, you gotta, there's always going to be risk with these guys. Sometimes you just got to get that gut feeling and you yeah. pull the, you pull the trigger on it. And, um, I know what you mean on that. That's an intro. Yeah. I didn't realize, I didn't know anything about Roman Anthony. Yeah. He's, he's starting to get a lot of buzz going into the season. So it'll be interesting to see where he ends the year with. Cool. Um, and then just lastly, because there is a red section, there's much, there's many more names in the orange section for the, those of you at home. There is also a four name list at the bottom. I want to bring up Xavier Isaac just because he hit a couple of bombs the other day in spring training. Um, but uh, tell us about him. Yeah. Xavier Isaac is really interesting because he wasn't a big, like a big, uh, highly touted scouted name going into last year's draft. Uh, he's a, probably going to stay at first base. I wouldn't even be shocked if he moves off first base, becomes a DH, Uh, but you're talking, you know, plus double plus power. The hit tools iffy right now, but he is only 18. The the Rays will have to work with that a lot, but uh, a couple comps that I've heard is that um, some, there's some people comparing him to like Ryan Howard, which if we all remember Ryan Howard, Ryan Howard was a monster. Yeah. So So, like, so, like, you know, what I like to tell everyone is say, just because someone says they're going to be someone doesn't mean they are someone. So, like, mm-hmm. take it with a grain of salt. You know, just watch it. He's one of those names. He's in the red. Those are the guys that I have tabbed as, hey, just keep an eye on him this year to see if we do see uh, improvement in his hit tool or athletically. But if we're talking about power and absolute just stunning home runs, like we'll put on a show, that I, he's right there. Isaac is – one of the best power bats in last year's draft class. And you take, you pair them with the raise system. That's always good at developing, you know, you know, infield prospects. So it's almost like a match made in heaven. I like that you bring up wait and see, because I try to, I try to stress this point as often as I can. Um, You don't have to be the first person to buy into a prospect just because he came out and he's 20 bucks. Doesn't mean you have to buy him. You can wait and see if he does well. If you believe in him and he's $50, you can buy there if you're confident in him. But if you haven't seen like much of anything and you're buying in at 20 and then he fails, you're going to be like, oh, why'd I do that? Yeah. So it, it's okay. It's okay to wait. I did this on Juan Soto years ago and I bought in at 135 instead of like 65. I have not ever once regretted that decision. Could I have gotten two for the price of one? Sure. Do I regret it? No. So. Okay. Um, so that is the end of the list. Now, down on the farm, this is his list. Um, if you are listening to this and want this list for your own personal use, down on the farm, why don't you tell us where we can get access to this or how we can get access to this? Yeah. Uh, if you are interested in viewing this list, you can find it on my Twitter page. I am uh, on Twitter as down on the farm eight on Twitter. You can also find it on my Instagram, which I am down underscore on underscore the underscore farm underscore prospects, which I have that posted in my story. If you can't find it on there, just shoot me a DM. I am more than, you know, more than welcome to send you a link. Or if you're interested in any of my lists at all, just, you know, message me. I'm always, you know, open to play or open to play. I'm always open to talk prospects. If you want to pick my mind or anything. Perfect. 
So thank you for that. Um, that concludes our 2023 Bowman checklist for the autos. There are, of course, guys that are going to be in the non-auto section that Jimbo and I may talk to you about later. Um, Dylan O'Ray, one of them, Bruce, third-round pick, does not have a auto in this set in this checklist, but Brewers does player? have what? A Brewers player prospect? Yeah, Brewers prospect. Can you believe that? Can you believe I'd bring up a Brewers prospect? <laughs> um, but uh, that is the auto checklist for this year. If you guys are uh, interested in buying, go check out your local hobby shops. Maybe go check out Kentucky Roadshow on the – card shop live will you guys have bowman yeah we'll have bowman in our on roadshowcards.com all right and in and and in our shops uh throughout the country lexington new york um california that will be opening hopefully soon uh in texas all right cool cool i will cut that part out don't worry about that yeah we had a call with him yesterday All right, so you can find your Bowman product there. Um, I know we said we might talk opening day stuff. It is already an hour. So I say let's each give one thing we saw from opening day that intrigued us, and we'll start with down on the form. Hmm, that's hard. Uh, I'm probably going to go with Jordan Walker having early success with the Cardinals. You know, It is a one-game sample size, but – he just looks comfortable and already ready to thrive in St. Louis. You know, a couple months ago, if you asked me if Jordan Walker was breaking, you know, breaking camp with the Cardinals, I'd call you crazy. But you know, he did the inevitable. Yeah, that's crazy. That is a, that is an unfortunate storyline. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, uh, Jimbo. Yeah, my biggest takeaway is uh, I don't know if anyone forgot, but uh, or knew this, or you know, for me, I personally forgot. Wander Franco is 21 years old. Watch, go watch this kid. I'm telling you, dude. Every time, every single time I watch this kid, he's just different. He is different, and I want to bring up that he's only 21 years old, and that's still just crazy to me. Uh, that reminds me of a tweet I just saw, and for the life of me, I can't remember who it was, so I'm sorry for not giving credit. But I saw somebody tweet out that Juan Soto was younger than 24 of 26 or 27 rookies in top series one. I believe it. Or maybe it was in the 40s. I can't, I can't remember the numbers. Whatever it was, there was only three rookies. young. It might have actually been in the 40s. There was only three rookies younger than Juan Soto last year. Juan Soto's been around for five years. It's incredible. Like to put it in perspective like that with some of these kids, like it is just mind blowing. Yeah. Mind blowing. Um, my biggest takeaway as a, as a, uh, guy who semi likes O'Neill Cruz, like just from like an experience standpoint, I know Hunter Green gave up a ton of home runs last year. And so hitting a home run off for Hunter Green is not like the most shocking thing in the world. But seeing O'Neill Cruz get off to a fast start this year, thrilled about that um, and would love to see that continue as the year goes on. Not against the Brewers, but just in general. <laughs> the idea of a 6-7 shortstop actually having success, I'm yeah. there for that. Yeah. Let's, let's hope he tears up the Cardinals all the time. Yeah. For both of your guys' sakes. Yes. I hope so. Tear up the Cardinals, tear up the Reds. We'll be good. 
So, all right. Well, uh, I think we're going to end it off there. Down on the farm, any last words? Any Anything you're working on? Anything you want the card hobby to know? Um, you know, if you're interested in prospects, you can catch uh, me and uh, my co-host, uh, Mike Richards, and uh, David Mendelson, uh, our, po- our prospect podcast on YouTube called The Call-Up with Triple Play every Wednesday. We do, you know, we're going to do recaps of players that had good weeks, stuff like that, our breakouts, you know. We just always talk prospects on there if you're interested. Love that. I will have to. I will. uh, You said Wednesdays? Yeah, every Wednesday. Every Wednesday. You might have a new listener uh, this this next Wednesday. Two new listeners right here. Yeah. Me and Jimbo. Awesome. Um, Well, thank you down on the farm for joining us, Jimbo. Thank you for joining as always. And thank you everyone who listened in to today's dinging corners appreciate you all for taking your time out of your friday to listen to this uh if you're looking for bowman you can find that dropping in a couple weeks i hope your favorite team won unless you're the cardinals then i know you lost 10 to 9 <laughs> suckers and uh you all have a good rest of your week see ya <laughs>